Hello and welcome back to the Middling Along podcast. I'm your host, Emma Thomas, and joining me today is Sarah Williamson, co-founder of WomenWise. Sarah is a nutritional therapist and researcher. She graduated from the Institute of Optimum Nutrition in 2003 and has run a successful private practice ever since. She's got first-hand experience of the limitations of our current menopause support system and after getting increasingly frustrated and worried about friends' difficult menopause experiences, she was determined to do something about it and founded WomenWise. Welcome to the podcast, Sarah. Thank you. Lovely to see you, Emma. Before we kick off, uh, I should say for full transparency um, that you and your team at WomenWise very kindly offered me the opportunity to trial the service for no fee. So we'll come back in a bit to, to all of that entails and, you know, sticking myself with needles and all that fun <laughs> stuff uh, and some juicy details of my test results perhaps in a bit. But first of all, I'd really love to hear the story behind sort of launching WomenWise. And can you tell us all about how that came about? Yeah, so I have been a nutritional therapist since before it was fashionable. So I graduated after three years in 2003. I used to work in commerce. My first degree is in economics. So it was quite a, a swing to change That's quite into a change. nutrition. It is. And it, I was struggling with my own health issues. And my mum just said, oh, you just don't have a strong constitution, which kind of lit a fire in my belly. That's such a mum thing to say, isn't it? So, totally. <laughs> totally. So I um, was having, I had surgery on both my feet, which were didn't work properly. And while I was spending time off, I realized I didn't want to go back to work. That was the first foot. The second foot, I knew I'd have to have a month off work. And so that's when I started investigating what I'd want to do. And I came across nutritional therapy. I'd always been interested in kind of healthy eating or what I thought then was healthy eating and then decided to enroll. And from then on, it kind of became my passion. What I love about it is the way it gives people power back. It's a tool that they can then have levers to pull to make things better in their life. And they can choose how far or how little they want to do that as well. With regard to the menopause, I went to a university reunion uh in London this was you know 2019 I think it was and I was talking to some friends there and one of my friends who I hadn't seen for a long time just told me this kind of nightmarish menopause story about how she had been lying on her bed telling her husband she was going to leave him and the children she'd just had enough and he was hanging on her feet saying it'll be okay And then she proceeded to tell me about her other friends and how they'd left their husbands, left their jobs, just complete destruction was going on around these women who were really struggling. And she said it with a huge grin on her face as though it was a funny story. But imagining that moment in that room, it was probably felt far from funny. So I thought I need to look at this because for me, menopause is a natural transition. We are supposed to go through the menopause. And the real questions are, why are we struggling? And, you know, I'm completely agnostic about HRT. If it suits you and you get a gain from it, that's great. But for 50% of women who take HRT, there is no significant benefit. So I decided, doing my usual, I'm a diver into the research and I spend all my time in the medical papers looking at what things meant that women were having different experiences at menopause. And it's that that then brought us to kind of design. And it took about two and a half years deep research to design this product to make sure that it answered most of those questions. It can be 
and I've talked a little bit about this, it can be really overwhelming. We are bombarded from mm. all directions about information or advice on, you know, the, the nutrition side of things, on uh, on what exercise we should and shouldn't be doing. So yeah, having that sort of, um, having somebody walk us through all of that, but also having that very kind of personalized view because we are all so different is is really helpful and and you know we'll hopefully we'll talk a bit more in detail about all of the different things that you're looking at because it's not just the nutrition and the lifestyle stuff but there is also some kind of key genetic propensity for or against certain things that that is really quite important that that you're looking at as well yeah because one of the first places i went was okay, why is everyone experiencing such different menopause experiences? Particularly, I think the early thing, and I think for many women, the biggest bother to them is well, weight gain is one and mental health is the other. Those two are the ones that I think bother women the most. And I was like, why are people experiencing such dramatic differences in how they, you know, their head works during this transition? And this transition is going on for a long time. For most women you know, in their early 40s, all the way up to sort of five years post their last menstrual cycle. So it's quite a long period of time of adaptation. And what's going on there? And why are there such distinct patterns in some women for certain to struggle with their mental health? And so that's where we started to look at the genetics. And the other point we really wanted to dig into was we know that estrogen can be really beneficial for the body. All of our cells have estrogen receptors on, so they love estrogen, but then making sure we metabolize it, so turn it into other things and then clear it from the body really well is really important. So we're looking at people's genetic capacity to be able to do this. So a bit like what kind of car engine are you born with? And then what do you need to do to support that car engine to make sure that you're clearing it really well? And those things are really important. So it's those two parts that we use genetics to look at why things might be different for you. It is, yeah, and I always found that fascinating too, that you've got such a broad spectrum from, you know, at the one end, people who sort of allegedly sail through this without a backwards glance, you know, probably don't even notice that their periods have stopped and then suddenly realise that, you know, wake up one morning and realise they're postmenopausal. And then at the other end, you know, you, you have people who absolutely cannot function without HRT. You know, it is quite literally what gets them out of bed in the morning and allows them to kind of carry on with their lives. Yeah, and for some women, even with the HRT, that's not happening. So, you know, there's a whole, so really the women we're talking about aren't the people who take HRT and it's tickety-boo and they don't, they feel perfectly brilliant or women who are sailing through, like it's barely a bump in the road for them. And they are a, a small percentage of women. For the rest of us, that's not our experience. And so we're then looking at genetics and we're looking at how stress resilient you are, how well you're fueling your body, how well you'll be able to manage to use your food to fuel your body rather than store it as fat for many women. That's what changes quite dramatically at this stage. And then what kind of things are going on with your thyroid? Have you got low iron levels? All those kind of things that some of them, for example, low thyroid and low iron can really mimic menopausal symptoms of fatigue, weight gain, dry skin, thinning hair. 
And, you know, putting more estrogen on is not going to resolve those problems. So you have to dig a bit deeper. And I think it's really important because at the moment, the lens is wonderfully on menopause and midlife health, but all on HRT. And that is one slice of the pie for a nutritional therapist is a good statement, but it's one slice of the pie. And there are many other slices. And if you can't take HRT, you don't want to go through that route. There are still so many levers to give you good health. Or if you're taking HRT and you're just going, yeah, it's not really done much or I've got side effects and no real benefits. Again, we've got many other things to look at to support you. Let's dig in then to um, to the sort of the practicalities of, of going through the, the process with women wise. So I got a lovely box sent to me. Tell me what's in the box. What can people expect? Okay, so we purposely, when you talk about the lovely box, that was a purposeful choice. We wanted to make it less medical and more a kind of beauty, healthcare, looking after yourself, self-care choice. So we worked very hard on making it not medical, although the tests are med, you know, have a medical nature. But we wanted to feel when that box arrived that it was rather more of a treat rather than a kind of something to fear. When you open your box, there's uh, hopefully some beautifully clear instructions and we've packaged it up nicely. And then you have several things in that box. Don't do what I do, folks, which is not read the not read the helpful extra instructions that are on the website. Yeah, we never read instructions. We're all flat packed. Just open it up and get going. <laughs> so once you get your box in your box, you have a urine test and that looks at your stress response. So it looks at your stress hormones and your adrenal function. So that's cortisol, which many people have heard about. You know, cortisol's bad, mm. high cortisol. And high cortisol can be problematic, but so can very low cortisol. And we get a mixture of those patterns coming in. Then that test is really clever. And there are only two labs in the world that I've found that do this test. They then look at all the other metabolites, so all the things that were once cortisol or were once other hormones that are now in your urine. And then you can backtrack a pattern through. And that helps us look at what's going on with the background metabolic rate. So for many women, they actually have high levels of the active form of cortisol in their blood. So they're feeling quite stressed. They've got a quite a jumpy blood sugar So they, because cortisol releases sugar into the blood. But their background metabolic rate is slow. So they're slow, only slowly clearing that out of their bloodstream. Mm-hmm. And that means it persists. So they get this persistently stressed pattern But in the background, they've got a very sluggish metabolic rate. So it's not working to clear those hormones through the system. So that is a really clear picture that if you did other tests, you'd just come back as high cortisol and you'd be treating them in a very different way. Um, And that's why we've gone for that test. So that involves you doing several wees over several parts of the day. So they're all timed (laughs) and you'll have seen the pattern that comes back and it shows the pattern of the free cortisol that goes, should go up in the morning and come down overnight. Mm. But for many women... It's perfectly normal for us to have high cortisol first thing in the morning. That's what gets us kind of up and... Yeah, gets you up and out of bed. And what it should do is rise up upon waking and then come down over the day to allow you to go back to sleep at the end of the night. But for many women, I think if I had to pick a common pattern, they go up really high in the morning and then are coming down overnight. Maybe they don't get low or they've got a really disturbed pattern where they 
go up and they don't really come down at all or they kick up before bedtime so they're not sleeping or they come in very high in the morning which means overnight they've got high cortisol which means they're not sleeping deeply and they've got high blood glucose so they're more likely to store body fat overnight because their blood sugar's running high so that's the urine test and I love it and I could go on about that just for the rest of the podcast but I won't um then we do a pinprick blood test, which we now have options that people can have a blood draw because some people are a bit squeamish about that. But it's a tiny tube, two tubes that you fill with a pinprick and you put some drops into the um, t- test tubes and they go back to the lab. And with that, we're looking at your thyroid function and a bit deeper than you would normally get at your GP because a GP would normally test TSH, which is thyroid stimulating hormone which is the one that talks mm. from your brain to your thyroid to tell it what to do. And T4, which is the inactive form of free thyroxine, which is the inactive form of thyroid hormone. We actually also look at the active form, which is T3, because some women aren't very good at converting to that active hormone. We look at your iron levels via ferritin, because um, ferritin is the first place they turn up lower. Ferritin or um, has a really wide range in the medical medical books, all the way from 13 to 150 is all regarded as normal. But we see women do much better at the upper end of the, around 100 at that range. And if they've got thinning hair and fatigue and other things, moving them up there really supports their metabolic rate and gets all of those things going again. So we work really hard on that. And then also we look at vitamin D as well. So you've got a good picture there of your, you know, background health and what's going on just from those two tests. And then we've now doing a thing where um, originally we had one testing, which included the genetics, but we're very conscious that, you know, in the current economic environment, that's kind of a stretch for some women. And I'd love most women to be able to access useful information. So In the full package, you can get the genetics tests as well. And that includes what we talked about earlier, the test of how well you clear estrogen from your body, which is a really important decision for all women, actually. If they are going to take HRT, it becomes more significant. But ongoing from menopause, postmenopausally, we still have lots of estrogen in our system because it's produced in our body fat and also by our adrenal glands. So we look at that system. So if estrogen clearance or you perhaps have a history of cancer, estrogen related cancers in your family, or it's something that's bothersome, it's nice to know what that is. And it's nice to know you can do something about it. And then finally, we look at what we call the brain chemistry part. So we're looking at enzymes that impact your mood, your motivation, your sense of happiness and your appetite. So we're looking at those and your motivation to drink even can be affected by some of these genetics and find routes around those again for you to get you feeling back in a good space while we work on your diet. Can we dive a bit more into that clearance of oestrogen? Because I found that really, really fascinating. And and you kind of describe it as a a bit like a conveyor belt system in a factory. So it's really important that those are all kind of keeping up with one another. Why is that so important? So oestrogen, as I've said, is brilliant for the body. It's great for the skin, the hair, all your brain, all the bits. 
but we need to use estrogen. It hooks onto those cells, does its job, and then it needs to be cleared from the body, just like you know anything else. Like when you eat, you still clear out the waste products from the from your food. So what then happens is estrogen is converted through a series of enzymes into something that can be excreted out of the body. And that is like a conveyor belt. The first two enzymes that we look at are a conveyor belt. So you've got the first one and the second one, and they need to keep up with each other. If you've got the first one running fast, if you can just imagine like a game show with stuff falling off the conveyor belt as you go through, that's when the problems can occur. So those things falling off the front conveyor belt when they're not keeping up with one another are the things that go on to form what we call quinones or are called quinones that can damage DNA and then potentially increase your cancer risk. So we have a look at what your genetics are like. So what's your engine like already for clearing estrogen? And then those two enzymes, we look at how fast or slow they run naturally. And then we can offer, we use natural substances to support them. There's some amazing work done by an Italian uh, professor who I can't remember the name of off the top of my head, but he's done, and their team have done a lot of work on this. And they've seen even in women with high risk kind of genetics, they can reduce those quinones to zero, which is Mm. amazing. So we use that. The body is brilliant in itself. For many women, we don't need to use those things because we have backup systems. Because it's so important, it's amazing how the body's produced other enzymes that can go around and recycle problematic chemicals that are produced. So for a lot of women, even if the, one of the sections isn't working brilliantly, overall, there's other things that are coming in to help. So there's things that mop up free radicals that cause damage or recycle the quinones and take them all the way back to the beginning. Anyway, the, all, those, all those enzymes help the body clear estrogen really well. So it shows you how important it is for the body to clear estrogen well, that in fact it has all those backup enzymes. So that's where we focus on how well you do that and if you need extra support. I mean, I'm happy to to kind of, we can talk about some of the things that you discovered in my report. There's nothing to hide here. <laughs> but then it would be also maybe interesting to talk about the, the, the action plan that somebody would, so you don't just kind of give them their, their results and, and you know off you go. There's a whole kind of plan that is individualized to each person that, that then looks at the results and then gives them something to, to support in areas that they might need specific support. Absolutely. That's what happens. So we look at what your results are, we combine them all together. And so there's a team of us, there's two other or three other nutritional therapists here. um, And we put a report together that gives you an action plan. So where your areas of focus are, that's where your action plan is directed. So that uses nutrition related so a dietary plan to help you support your goals so I remember in your case we came up with you you have struggled with insulin resistance so that means that your body is more likely to turn the fuel you eat particularly the carbohydrates you eat into body fat rather than using them as fuel you have done brilliantly over the last while and managed to lose weight significantly so you're improving that insulin resistance 
all the time you've managed to lose that weight. And we talked about the exercise that you're doing and brilliantly, you are focused on weight training exercises, so resistance training, and that is going to further support the work that you're doing. So then in your action plan, plan, we focus very carefully on making sure that all the steps begin to support your insulin sensitivity returning. So that would be making sure that you weren't snacking between meals or drinking milky drinks or calorie rich or sweet drinks between meals. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we were making sure that you avoided some people use sweeteners as an alternative and it still causes the insulin to spike. So troubling that insulin resistance and making you less insulin sensitive and so that's is that's that's fully reversible if you is that because I, I do find this really interesting that whole idea of uh you know that insulin resistance is that it's not like a an on-off lever is it like a, a sort of a sliding scale and and everything that you do can kind of pull the needle back down to where it needs to be absolutely I think what's great there's nothing that we have tested that you can't resolve there's no point me telling you a test result that you can't do anything about so we have carefully made sure that there's a you know a backed up plan that you can do something about and yes insulin resistance is really common and it is reversible by dietary changes the reason it tends to pop up in midlife for women is Oestrogen protects us from insulin resistance. And as soon as our oestrogen levels begin to drop, we can become more insulin resistant. So if you notice, the way women tend to put on weight averagely changes over their lifetime. When we're younger, if we put on weight, it tends to go on our bottom, our hips, and maybe our boobs. And then as we get older, it's in the stomach area. And like if you think about men, they aren't protected by that estrogen, so they put all their weight on their stomachs. So we become more like them, and it's one of the reasons we catch men up for cardiovascular disease if we don't make these dietary changes. So for you, you're already well on your way, which is brilliant, and those extra tweaks should get you there a bit quicker. So, And we've talked about, very importantly, increasing protein. Mm. A lot of women are under-eating protein, particularly when they move towards a vegetarian or vegan diet as well, because they sort of naturally are lower in those diets. So we really focus on getting women having adequate protein in their diet, which is brilliant for A, managing your appetite, B, helping you build muscle, which is a really important part of remaining healthy and remaining insulin sensitive. And then we also talk about minerals because there's an amazing study by, and one of them's a Brit, but I don't know which one, by two guys called Raubenheimer and Simpson. And they wrote a book, I think it's called The Five Appetites. Um, And their very early studies showed that hitting protein goals and hitting mineral goals supported all animals. And they've actually done one on menopausal women, which is brilliant, but they started off in, you know, insects and pond in things but all animals continue to search for food until they hit those goals so by hitting those goals you're supporting your appetite as well which is again something that often gets a bit harder at this time that's fascinating isn't it so literally like if we're not getting enough protein and enough of those elements our body is designed to keep eating until we get there Exactly. And it's that thing. Exactly. (laughs) And it's that thing. Many of us find that we 
the combination of being insulin resistant and not hitting that protein goal is they're standing at the fridge door or the cupboard door in the evenings or in the afternoons. I want to eat something, but I don't know what it is. And it's... I feel about- seen. <laughs> <laughs> but this is what, you know, I, I know this story. I see this story in so many women that I'm like, you know, I watch it play out at home with my husband. You know, it's a really common phenomenon, but there's a biology to it. You're trying to get that insulin to trigger. You are trying to hit those protein our bodies goals. are clever. <laughs> they are, but unfortunately, our modern food environment, if you are out in the wilds, you'd only have protein like in animal form, or you would, you know, some eggs or something you might stumble across, or, you know, a few leaves and a few root vegetables and maybe a few berries but very low carbohydrate relative to the modern diet so our bodies unfortunately can't say or oh, go and eat a protein rich something it just knows it's hungry driving so. you towards the cupboard <laughs> um, well it was very relieved anyway to know that my iron levels are good as a sort of a mostly vegetarian slash vegan yeah, household fabulous. so that was that was quite a relief but like many people, um, I think you know, vitamin D on on the low side, even though I'm I'm supplementing. So uh, yeah. another one that's a really kind of key. It's very interesting. Even when I so I used to live overseas in the Middle East for a couple of years, and even when I looked at people there, they often came up with low vitamin D because they're just avoiding getting out in the sun, and we're all told to put our SPF on, and we're all you know trying to avoid the sun. And I think there is an argument for that to an extent, but the sun is also a massively healthy benefit. It supports our circadian rhythms. It's a much better way of making vitamin D than taking a supplement. Mm. And most people don't realize that from September till sort of mid-April, you can't actually make enough vitamin D from sunlight. So if you're going to do it, you're going to have to store it up over the summer. So you're either going to have to get out there in the sun unexposed, even for short periods in the day. It doesn't have to be enough to get burnt or even significantly tanned, but it has to be enough that it activates that process in the skin. And it turns cholesterol into vitamin D. So for those of you who are worrying about cholesterol levels, let's use it for something useful. About vitamin D, and I think there was another study that that just came out linking that to, I think, a 40% drop in dementia yeah vitamin d is very significant it also plays a huge role in prostate cancer survival i think um you know it's hugely supportive of our immune system and one of the you know even in covid times it was shown that vitamin d massively reduced um hospitalizations and deaths and lots of people were sort of staying indoors and of course their vitamin d levels are going down at that point and supplementation is a route to go if you're not getting outside enough or you're living somewhere where it's not quite so sunny. And then it's important to make sure you're doing that well so that you use it with vitamin K for the most part. There are some people on some medications, so you need to check whether you can take the vitamin K. But it helps vitamin D not cause calcification in places you wouldn't want it. It's a really powerful thing, and that's why we test it, because although it doesn't relate to menopause specifically is very supportive of bone health and immune system and background health and it's a good marker for us to look at people's general health so let's kind of go back then to to the process you would sort of talk somebody through both their test results and their action plan and what happens then 
Right. So once they get all their test results, we then have a, the, they get their um, tests and everything explained. They get the results section of their report. And then we specifically separated it from the action plan. Because once you've seen your results, you don't need to keep seeing them. Mm. You then need to know what do I need to do? And what's brilliant is the action plan, although it's you know, just working on your diet and adding certain things to your diet, focusing on certain foods and supplementing where necessary. So food first is my always my mantra. There is no magic pill, silver bullet that you can take that will outclass a poor diet, just as there's no exercise plan that can outwit a poor diet. So we work on that diet to get the hormones back into balance. So we're talking there about cortisol, we're supporting your thyroid hormone, we're making sure all of those things, the eating plan that we recommend supports those where it's necessary for you. Iron levels, always I would prefer people to food stay iron, but if you're vegetarian or vegan, then you have to supplement if you struggle in that area. And we work out the supplement that works for you. So we very tailored, not everybody, even if they all need iron, they wouldn't get the same iron supplement. Mm. The same thing we talk about for many women, particularly if they're wanting to lose weight or um, they're struggling with energy or they are vegan or vegetarian, we try and support their B vitamins. So the B vitamins are often known as the energy vitamins because they really help the um, energy production in cells, but many other things too. So we very carefully pick the type of B vitamin supplement that women are to take because some very commonly available now methylated which are regarded as highly absorbable can make some women much more anxious mm. and already a lot of women are struggling with anxiety as their progesterone levels lower so we're oh, then so very careful making that worse depending on if making they're, if it they're worse. supplementing yeah and green tea plays a role there as well so some people have slower enzyme function for things and therefore green tea causes people more anxiety and things so mm. often these superfoods which I don't believe in the superfood. It's just well-marketed food, that is. Um, but these, you know, these nutrient-dense foods that we're all told are good for us, they are good for some people and they're not good for others. And when you understand your genetics, you know. And so you don't have to worry about should I or shouldn't I? And I don't really like it, but I'm going to make myself do it. You don't need to. Um, or if it's supportive of you, we're like, okay, I'm going to add more of that. Mm. And then um, do people have a, a like an option to get back in touch with you if they've your team if they've got specific questions about any yes. of a, a kind of ongoing? So what they get is they get the report and then you can decide to have a consultation. So we gave you a consultation so you could see what that process is like. I think for many people, it's absolutely worth it because their explanations help the penny drop because there's a lot of information in those reports. Yeah. <laughs> You know, that's probably in normal world equivalent to three or four visits to a nutritional therapist over time. So you're getting a lot of good information, but how to implement it and um, use it is really important. So once you get going, you then get ongoing digital support. So we'll be sending you specific emails and advice and tips and recipes that relate to the things that came up in your report. And that goes on for 12 months invitations to webinars so let's say we were talking about insulin resistance for you there would be a webinar talking about insulin resistance with some more detail and some more tricks and maybe some latest data and reports that we've seen that can all help everybody improve those patterns 
So yeah, ongoing support. But if anyone wants to continue to book, you know, book another check-in, they absolutely can. We're more than happy to see people. In fact, I love seeing the results as people put stuff into play. So yeah, they can book at any time. And also for women who come up outside medical range and want um, an appointment and perhaps they don't want to see their GP or they can't, struggling to get access, we've partnered with a private GP service so they can do that as well if rather than leave people in an anxious space. Okay. But then it's obviously, yeah, it's down to them. They're, they're accountable for actually, you know, yeah. making the, uh, the the good choices, as we like to say to our children. <laughs> yeah, it, absolutely. And that's why we've put that 12-month support in, because I would say to people, nutritional therapy is not like going for a massage. You have to actually action something. When people start to action it and they see the benefits, they've then got to keep going because mm. some, a lot of us get a bit better and then we're like, and then you forget how bad you felt. And then you kind of backslide and then you're like, oh, yes. And it's really normal as we adopt new habits. But, you know, the basic key ones are for you focusing on more protein is such an easy one to think about every meal that that should be relatively easy to bring in. We do focus a lot on stress management and types of exercise, as you discussed. And stress is a really significant part of our lives at this stage we are responsible for kids often, we have jobs, we are often dealing with parents who aren't very well, and there is a lot of plates to keep spinning. And meanwhile, we're going through quite a dramatic change in our hormones. So stress management and the tips we put in there to support people managing it and becoming more stress resilient are really important as well. Well, I, I have to say it's been an absolutely fascinating process as someone who who kind of geeks out on all the, the science and the biology stuff. Yeah, it's been really, really interesting. So yeah, I'm very, very grateful to you and your team. I think it's fantastic. Obviously, it, it does come at a cost. So yeah. if, if people are interested in doing this, how much is it going to cost for them? So now we've put, because we're, we're aware of that, we've put in a price of 399 so the at 399 and it's the test the cost of the test mm. that form the bulk of our costs if they were cheaper we'd be in a much better place to be able to give it to everyone but at the moment they're high prices so 399 does the urine test which goes to america to get tested there is no lab here that does it okay. and does the blood test and then you do the questionnaire so that would give you a really good basic of what's going on for me right now and we can pick up from your symptoms you know, brain chemistry issues and other things through there. There's more subtlety involved. That questionnaire is quite detailed, mm. as you probably remember. <laughs> and then at 599, that includes the genetics as well. So you get a fuller report with estrogen clearance on and the brain chemistry in detail. Yeah. And then we've bundled together because normally a consultation would be £129, but we've put it together in one package for £699 for people who want to bundle it together and know that they want a consultation as soon as before they get their report. So right. we've tried to make that work for everybody. But yes, I'm totally conscious that the price points are high. But we're not a company that want people to keep retesting. It's not a subscription service. It's a one-off. We might ask you to go back and retest your iron if you came back low and you started taking an iron supplement to make sure you don't go somewhere dangerous. But it's not a tied-in forever process. It should be a one-off or if you want to go and retest a two-off option rather than an ongoing thing that you're tied to but it really gives you a good clear point where you are now and you know hopefully really help women feel a lot better quickly mm. and, and I know because we talked about this in my consultation that you know where your uh, 
recommending supplements for people like you've got no kind of skin in the game depending on what the supplement is it's completely independent of your company it's it's been (laughs) for many people one of the bugbears because I am absolutely adamant that we only use the best supplements for people and I'm not tied to any supplement company because if we are then it you know it leads to the even unintentional bias of using yeah. a certain supplement so we've been very careful about that we are trying to find one place where people can order them all from because people are finding my principles slightly frustrating when you have to go to three different places so we're going to resolve that but there's no tie to any particular supplement company Mm. and obviously again that is an area of personal choice so somebody could still sort of look at the you know the lifestyle stuff and the dietary the actual nutrition advice that they don't have to spend the money on that additional supplementation if they no want, i think they would i think the totally and i think you know if you come back with seriously low iron it would be foolhardy not to supplement there mm. um you know, and they're not expensive, those supplements. And we've just chosen one that's more absorbable because the standard stuff you get from your doctor is really disrupts the digestive system and gives terrible constipation. But it's very cheap, so I totally get why they're using it. But we use one that's a bit more stomach-friendly. But, yeah, there's absolute choice. And we're very clear about what the supplement contains so that if you wanted to use another supplement, you've got a supplement at home that ticks that box, that's fine but at least you know where you're at and for some women some of these supplements for short periods of time to you know encourage your insulin sensitivity or rebalance hormones or things so you're taking them for eight weeks maybe and then stopping so it does vary they're not you're not tied for life well sarah thank you so much uh it's been as i say an absolutely fascinating process so i'm, I'm extremely grateful and and uh, very well educated now <laughs> and now i just need to go put it all into practice well thank you and thank you for being part of it because it's always lovely to be able to show what we do because it's not always easy to just explain it so i'm yeah. really grateful for you being part of it i really enjoyed doing your report so thank you emma and thank you for having me today you've been listening to the middling along podcast do remember to subscribe to be notified when our next episode is live and why not visit the blog at www.middlingalong.com to sign up to my newsletter as well i do hope you enjoyed listening today if you did i'd be really grateful if you would consider leaving a short review as that helps people find the podcast and helps get it noticed. Hope you can join us next time. Goodbye for now.